You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello again, everybody, and welcome to The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the five-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Kieran. Hey there, Dominic. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, so good to be back. It seems like it's been forever since we've done one of these. It's... Uh, it's been more than a month, I have to say, and uh, I think we should probably uh, explain to the listeners um, what exactly has been going on. So we meant to record one uh, the, about two days before Christmas, and uh, then my home of Toronto got hit by a massive ice storm, and basically... We lost power for about 36 hours, and so we weren't able to record the episode, which was unfortunate. And then after that, it was the holidays, and, uh, you know, life gets in the way. we got to visit family, open presents, all that fun stuff. And then, you know, it's back to reality that next week, and, you know, I have to go back to, back to school, back to university, all that stuff. And then the week after that, we sat down, and we recorded an episode, and the recording didn't work and we lost about we lost about the second half of the episode where it was just me talking you couldn't hear kieran and it was so it sort of was like and so what do you think about this kieran silence <laughs> and then oh yeah oh that's a good idea well i think this you know it went on and on like that and so of course we can't put that out that makes no sense and then last week we were going to record again and of course i came down with a brutal cold and my voice was in and out and is still not even perfect and never know what might happen this week. So <laughs> we're finally back. We've got a new system for recording. No more holidays for a little while. It is snowing, but there isn't any possibility of the power going out just yet. Yes, yes. And everybody's feeling more or less okay. And so we're finally back to discuss these episodes. But that, I think, Kieran, is the definition of... Of every excuse in the book. I mean, really. The only thing we're missing now is that the dog nicked our homework, but... No. Yeah, really. The dog ate my microphone. No. Yeah, exactly. I'd be a little bit more worried about the dog if that happened than yeah. the podcast. Oh, man. But yeah, so we're here. We're going to discuss uh, Dooku Captured and the Gungan General. Uh, a couple of episodes that uh, I'm looking forward to talking. They're... Uh, they're one of those arcs where you sat down to watch, like, eh, there's not going to be too much to watch in here. And then just start taking notes, and it's like, oh my god, there's so much more here than I thought there would be. So, uh, yeah, let's jump into that right now. Kieran, do you have some uh, episode descriptions for us? I do indeed, Dominic. And we'll start off with Dooku Captured, the episode synopsis. During their own attempt to kidnap Count Dooku, Anakin and Obi-Wan discover that the Sith Lord has already been captured by pirates, 
Hondo Anaka and his gang of pirates hold Dooku captive in their den on Florum and hold him for ransom. It's up to Anakin and Obi-Wan to see if the offer is too good to be true. And the second episode synopsis for Gungan General begins with Anakin and Obi-Wan have been duped and held for ransom along with Count Dooku by the pirate chief Hondo Anaka and his second in command Turk Falso. While Anakin, Obi-Wan and Dooku unsuccessfully attempt to escape, the Republic sends a ransom via a special envoy, including Representative Binks. It becomes a race against time as Jar Jar rushes to deliver the ransom to take custody of Dooku and save the Jedi. Yeah, so it's a interesting episodes. I know for, for myself, when I sat down to watch them, I thought, ah, these were, these were episodes that back in the day I didn't think too much of. And, you know, Kieran, I want to ask you, did your opinion of these episodes change since the first time you watched them? I would certainly say so. It definitely evolved from when I first saw this. I echo completely your thoughts. When I first sat down to watch these and begin to analyse them, I wasn't particularly, not to say not looking forward to it, but it certainly wasn't an arc that stood out in particular. When I first watched this arc uh, back in 2008, 2009, I certainly thought... uh, it's not. It's not. It's not fantastic. It has some good pieces in, but it's not one that I'm gonna really sit back and rewatch and rewatch like the previous art we discussed with Cloak of Darkness, Grievous, and all of that good and all that good stuff. So when it came down to sit sit down, like I said, I thought mm, not fantastic. But then I started to actually analyze the episode, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So say the arc, I should say, and there were some fantastic pieces in here. Uh, good dialogue great interactions and there's actually quite a few subtle hints that i didn't really notice about um almost not quite like easter eggs but it seemed that way when i when i discovered them i thought oh wow there's some bits that i didn't really uh take in or absorb the first time i watched this particular arc so i I have to say that as an arc i think this is definitely one that um very much underappreciated including by myself and as you said uh not not particularly one when you first sat down and watched it thinking, oh, this is going to be a good arc. Um, is that yeah. what you thought? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it, I think this episode, these episodes really benefit from the fact that we're watching this again, that we're going through, and we know where the story is going. So, you know, when we first were introduced to Hondo, let's talk about Hondo first. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think much of this character, and when they brought him back in season two, I remember thinking... Oh, really? Why? Why? Of all the characters you could bring back, why Hondo? Why that guy? And it wasn't really until, until the, the Boba Fett arc, which we'll, we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, and where I sort of realized, okay, I like this character. And now that we've had the benefit of, of all of this Hondo, especially in season five, the, the unfortunately last season, and we have that benefit. And so now looking back on it, it's just like, okay, this is more Hondo that I may have not appreciated at the time. But now I fully understand why it's so great. It's certainly a character, Hondo Anaka, that you you, have, you go back and, and you really appreciate his character a lot more uh, because he's been in a, more episodes. There's more character depth than there was when we first saw him. We probably assumed that he was just a villain of the week in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, he was going to be in this arc and then that would be the end of it. We're not going to see him again. Uh, and I could really relate that to a previous TV show that I saw, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where there was a character called Spike. And um, 
at first uh, I listened to a particular podcast where uh, they've wa- they watch it for the first time and they're not particularly appreciative of his character because it's the first time they've seen him. There's not really any character there. And so they think, oh, it's not it's not fantastic. They've gone through it now and they really, really like the character. And, and that's really the same with myself when it comes to that character. So you really have to place yourself back into uh, your kind of 2008, 2009 self when you're really examining this character. Uh, and that's where I see the, the parallels between when I'm talking about Spike and when I'm talking about Hondo Anaka, because I believe that if we look at Hondo Anaka from the perspective of our, of now, of 2014, we're going to say, oh, he's a fantastic character, but it's important to recognise that when we first watched it, we, we certainly didn't think that way. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Looking back on him, you know, he was definitely not my favourite villain from season one. I, you know, it was kind of like, why are we spending time with this when we have Dooku in this episode? Shouldn't we be focusing more on Dooku? And it, it, it turns out that, you know, we got a great a great character out of it, but at the time it was very, very odd. And I, I was, but you know, we've all come to love Hondo. Hondo is now everybody's favorite character, and uh, hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully he'll show up, show up in Rebels. I think he's a perfect candidate for that kind of thing, well, he... especially if you know they're going to be visiting backworld, backwater planets, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, it already really shows how the reception for Hondo has evolved immensely, as now. Uh, we're prepared to see him in Rebels and we're really looking forward to it if, if he would turn up in the show. People would revel in it. Whereas if if, oh, if yeah. that was going to happen from season one, as you said, when it even came to season two, it was a bit like, well, with all the characters to choose, why Hondo? Perhaps not. He's chosen someone else. But now you can see how the reception is so, so changed, so much, uh, so much <clears throat> good surrounding it, so much good surrounding the character that we're all looking forward, and there's a massive buzz around the fact that he's going to be, uh, well, hopefully he will be in Star Wars Rebels. It'd be a perfect opportunity to put a character uh, of his stature into Rebels, really. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, you know. I, after season one, like we said, not everybody's favorite character, but after season two, Celebration 5, everybody said to Dave Filoni, that We're, we want more Hondo, we want more Hondo. And so... You know, they took that into account. Of course, it just took until season five to actually get more Hondo because they the way they worked on Clone Wars, and then season five, every we got tons and tons of Hondo, and everybody was really excited when we saw him first in the, um, the Disney Star Wars Weekends trailer, and then at the season five premiere at Celebration Six and, and, and the Celebration Six trailer, and everybody was just excited about it, which is great. And hopefully, we get to see him some more. Um, let's move on to, to one of the, uh, the, the lower points of this arc and we'll get it out of the way real quick. And that's kind of the, the fact that so much happened off screen, you know, it's Star Wars, the off screen wars in some <laughs> ways, you know, um, you know, this arc opens with Anakin and Obi-Wan hunting down Dooku. You have to think that that is one of the, uh, biggest story plot points that of the clone wars you know if they catch dooku they can end the war like obi-wan says in episode two you know they can end things quicker and we kind of get dropped right at the end of it you know you kind of feel like there must have been some great story of anakin you know going undercover on that separatist cruiser and it didn't really get to see it and that's something you know i would have really liked to have seen 
I completely echo those thoughts there because I think that's perhaps why the reception towards this arc is so underwhelming is that you have so many main characters in the Star Wars universe. Uh, the big the big three, I would, I would argue almost, with Anakin, Obi-Wan and Dooku. And yet we don't see a lot of it, really. Uh, we, don't, we don't see how this came about, how Anakin was captured. That's a, that is quite a big plot hole in the storyline. Uh, and it, I remember at the time it was actually placed in a comic. They had these web comics in season one, which were preludes to the actual episodes. And it's a bit frustrating when you don't see how that happens. But then I began to think, yeah. isn't that Star Wars in general, though? How in, in episode four, for example, you're put straight into it. You're straight into the, the fight between the Imperial Star Destroyer and the Rebel Blockade Runner. And in episode one, straight away, you're on a diplomatic mission onto. Uh, a planet which has already been uh, invaded or beginning to be invaded, and, and there's all sorts going on in uh, in both of these particular ep- in both episode one and episode four. So it really is, in a way, uh, an essential element of the Star Wars saga that you're planted straight into the middle of the situation. And perhaps, perhaps, you can see it from the other point of view and say, well, perhaps it's not a bad thing that we don't learn about these storylines. I don't know what you think about that, Dominic. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, you know, it's a good idea that you know, Star Wars is always, you know, drop you right in the middle. That's sort of one of George's main ideas that he used to make Episode Four so great. Um, but at the same time, I just really would have liked to have seen that story because it sounds fascinating. Um, you know, maybe, you know, they could tell that story in, in a longer comic form than just a little mini web comic. Maybe we could get a full series or something because that sounds pretty exciting. Um, but let's uh, the the other instance of this, and we'll jump forward a bit in the arc just to to get all of this out of the way, get it together. Um, was but at the end of the first episode, we see the pirates try to drug Anakin and Obi Wan. Anakin and Obi Wan outsmart them. They switch their drinks with somebody else. And so we think that they have escaped the trap. And then the second episode opens up and they've been drugged and they're in jail. And they they told that story in the webcomic, um, but it's still, it's kind of, it's kind of confusing if you, if you don't know to look at the webcomic or nowadays, if you can't really see the webcomic, you know, if you're watching, just watching the show, on DVD, catching up like lots of people do with series. Um, there's no way of knowing, and you just kind of dropped into this. And it's and it's a different scenario than that other one where you know they're kind of dropping you into the middle of the story. This is just we're already started this story, and then we'll just leave out a little point in the middle, <laughs> and we don't get the, the explanation. And that was really an unfortunate decision, I think. No, I think that too, to be honest, particularly when we see that, as you said, Anakin and Obi-Wan have outsmarted the pirates and then all of a sudden they're drugged. There's definitely a point there that we, we as the audience, have missed. And you could almost feel that if you, if you didn't see that scene at the end, you just think, well, how on earth they got into this position? Uh, particularly if the target audience was for children at the time, which a lot of people thought it was. Then they're not exactly. And, and let's be honest, with season one, it, it really was. I think season one was definitely a kids' show, and then, well, with some exceptions. Well, but this is one of the more kiddie arcs, and then it's season two, and 
so on, they get progressively <laughs> more an adult show. Oh, exactly. And I think that could be one of the problems that if you if you're as I said, the target always was for children. They're not necessarily, although these days they would be on the internet, but they wouldn't necessarily go onto the Star Wars <laughs> website and be looking for a webcomic. So, I mean, that, yeah. that, that's something that has to be taken into consideration, and perhaps that was a little bit of fault with with the writers themselves, but it has to be accepted, unfortunately, but, well, pardon me, <laughs> as you said, um, it would have been better if that was actually... Uh, cleared up and, and less ambiguous really it was far too ambiguous as to as to what actually happened there and uh, and it would have been an interesting component of the story to see how then the pirates were able to uh, outsmart the jedi again so it would be interesting to see how that happened but unfortunately as a viewer uh, we don't get to see that uh, apart from if you look at the webcomic and i completely agree with you and say that that's probably one of the one yeah one of the major faults of the arc really yeah, and I think they probably realized it because notice they don't ever do it again. <laughs> no more web comics. Um, yeah, the, the web comic for season two and season three became its own story, which is really what it should hmm. be. Um, and then they didn't do it for season four and five, unfortunately. Hopefully, they. I, I would like to see them bring back the web comic for rebels in some format, just not make it so essential. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Let's move on to talk, let's talk about Count Dooku in this arc, because we really get to see Dooku at his weakest point. You know, we've we've always seen Dooku as sort of, you know, either the big political leader or the Dark Lord of the Sith, and those are very sort of strong positions. And in this arc, you know, he gets captured by a bunch of pirates, which you know kind of explains how Anakin and Obi Wan could be outsmarted by them. Um, but you know, Dooku in this arc, and then we see him in front of Palpatine, sort of by hologram, and he's kind of covering his face like he's embarrassed. Um, what did you think of Dooku in this arc here? It definitely seemed a little bit unbelievable, the situation that he, he found himself in, even from the start, really, how Obi-Wan was so easy, really, to infiltrate the Separatist frigate, and then both Anakin and Obi-Wan managed to walk in and find Dooku there. You thought, where's the guards? There's no guards anywhere. <laughs> But then you have got battle droids, and from what we've seen already, they're not, well, let's just say they're not the greatest yeah. guards that you'd really want to be having <laughs> on a on a ship. But in relation to the captured, captured by pirates uh, scenario, it did seem quite unbelievable. And I, I was looking at the feature of Dave Filoni for, for that episode, because he, he does discuss it, and you can't really shy away from it. But he, he states that Dooku was captured by about 30, 40 pirates, um, and we, as the viewer, of course, recognise that Dooku has substantial power, and oh, yeah. it would seem that he'd be able to kill at least, say, 15 of them, but he would eventually get shot down, and he would be killed. Neither Jedi or Sith are invincible, and I think we we, we see that later. Well, actually, we've already seen it, particularly with uh, I'm a Gonna Die, um, <laughs> where he was shot down by just sheer sheer number of droids. So to say that it's unbelievable, yeah. perhaps, perhaps is a little bit harsh. But it was good that he cleared it up. Really, uh, another another interesting point. I'm going to question this to you, Dominic. Is what what do you say is really the purpose of uh, of Dooku? Has he got some perhaps hidden agenda? Uh, does he does he actually let himself get captured? Is there an ulterior motive to 
to him being captured by pirates. I just thought it was an interesting concept that he brought up. Um, I wonder what your opinion was on it. Yeah, I, I've wondered about that, and, I, and I kind of, I'd kind of like to think that he he let himself get captured because Dooku is a great and powerful character. But at the same time, I just kind of think that he, you know, just got got caught. He just goofed up this time, and you know, it, it really nearly almost cost him. And you know, it's just kind of another reason for Palpatine to think uh, I should look into this Skywalker kid <laughs> and see if I can convert him to the dark side because you know i think dooku uh expected to win and 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 he expected to get away from anakin obi-wan i think he just was kind of toying with them you get the idea that he kind of likes to do that to the to the jedi um and then he got stranded on florum and or, or the other planet and hondo and his gang happened to be there and dooku underestimated them you know he calls them stupid and yet he's the one in chains, you know, he's the one that's locked up and, you know, he just, he underestimated them and he got his lightsabers stolen and Hondo realized who he was. And well, it's not really, he just got played. Sorry. It's not something that you'd really want to put on your CV. Is it being captured by pirates? And it's, it's not really something that <laughs> if you're Palpatine, you'd be very much looking into that and, and, Vividly, yeah, you just see Palpatine looking through the the Sith apprentice resumes. You know, like, like let's see, this one here, Darth Tyrannus. He ooh, survived a battle with Master Yoda, chopped off Anakin Skywalker's arm. I like this guy so far. Captured by <laughs> pirates. Next, let's see this Skywalker <laughs> kid. Ah, I like him much. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, I, I, Spoilers here for anyone who hasn't read Darth Plagueis, but I, I, I'm, I've got the book with me and I started reading it again because it's such a good book. And right in the beginning, it, it's interesting to see now how that kind of links onto this, is how uh, Plagueis, Darth Plagueis, managed to kill his master, Tenebrous. And he, he basically justified this as saying that if Tenebrous was strong enough, he wouldn't have let himself be killed by the apprentice. And in a way, this is not acting good for Dooku's attempts to overthrow Palpatine if he himself is being captured by pirates. You know, granted, yeah. there are a lot of them, but you wouldn't see Palpatine getting into the same situation. So I, I thought that was just quite yeah. interesting to see how kind of the, the, Sith, the Sith way almost, believing that uh, killing the Master would be justified because if he was successful in doing it, it would show that he, he should have been able to stop it if he was as powerful as that. Um, so I just thought that was a, that was a little bit of an interesting concept uh, into seeing that Dooku yeah, is and, not going to be the that... next master that he aspires to be. Yeah, and you notice that you know the the only way he gets out is with help from his replacement, Anakin. You know, yeah, it's just another sort of you know another point in Anakin's column and another loss for Dooku it's you know Dooku's a very interesting character you know he's he's really doomed from the beginning because you know Palpatine he loses his apprentice in Maul in episode one and so and so his first thought is I, I what about this boy this young Anakin Skywalker he says you know we'll watch your career with great interests and then he takes Dooku as a, an apprentice but the whole time he is he's molding Anakin into his replacement and even with Darth Vader, as broken as Darth Vader was, you don't get the sense that uh, Sidious was 
molding replacement um, until he got to Luke. Um, but, you know, from day mm. one with Dooku, <laughs> Sidious was uh, looking for a way to get Anakin in there and replace him. And it wasn't until he found Luke that he was ready to try and replace Vader. So it's it's interesting. It's a very interesting He was certainly a stopgap was um, Dooku, just a, a short-term solution and a, and a pawn, i.e., I would argue one of the yeah. biggest pawns in the war, how he's just been placed there and uh, eventually grooming Anakin uh, to become the ultimate new apprentice. And perhaps one of the main reasons that he doesn't uh, look for a replacement is one, because he can't find another one, but also because he probably sees <laughs> that there's so much power still of Anakin. And if he could somehow uh, even uh, basically utilize a portion of the power that he had when he was in episode three, then he has some some apprentice on his hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Dooku is is really is a tragic character because he leaves the Jedi Order. You know, he's a very powerful Jedi, and he leaves the Order for really quite noble reasons. He's become disenfranchised with the way the Jedi are becoming, which is, you know, you get this the impression that Qui Gon is sort of the mm. same way that he kind of is questioning the way the Jedi are becoming. And really they're right because the Jedi ultimately lose their way. And yet he, he goes, he's manipulated by Sidious into going to the dark side. And yet he never has the option then to, you know, grow to the most powerful Sith in the galaxy because, you know, for one, he won't be able to overthrow Sidious. And two, you know, Sidious is secretly grooming Anakin right behind him. You know, it's, it's you know, Dooku is a fascinating character, and one is one that I would just love to see more about. Um, whether it's a, a spin-off film or even just like a Darth Plagueis style novel about him, uh, I think it would be just a great way to explore his character some more. And it's unfortunate that that might not happen because of the way Disney is sort of uh, turning things more towards the original trilogy now. But you know, if they were to look back one more time, like Dooku is one of those characters that I think was a bit underdeveloped and we could really see some more from him. I'd agree that reception with Dooku as well is very positive amongst not just Star, well, not just Star Wars fans who are very, very interested in Star Wars, but just people who've watched the films in general, just leisurely. Um, I'm sure it's one that they, they liked. And he, and he, in fairness, made two movies, which is not too... Uh, granted, he made the, <laughs> the beginning of the, fir- of the third movie, but it was something that stayed off more than and Of course, we'll go on and there's a whole story there, but um, it's definitely one that is very, very interesting. And I think looking at past like that wouldn't would not be a bad thing at all. Yeah, that's you know the one place where the Clone Wars falls short for me. And I, I hate to talk bad about the Clone Wars. And I, I'm not talking bad about the Clone Wars. Is I just think they had an opportunity to really explore Dooku, and they didn't really. And maybe there would have been some more of that in. in seven and season seven and eight or, or six who knows maybe even with this uh Sifo-Dyas arc Sifo-Dyas yoda arc coming up that we might get a look at that but uh, i think other than in the night sisters trilogy in season three we got a little bit of a look at dooku and what dooku's aims are but the rest of the time i was, was kind of hoping we would get to explore him a little bit more and unfortunately we didn't get that opportunity it, it, oh, carry on um, dominic oh, oh i'm sorry no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was about Sorry, to just on. to finish on this point, I was, I was going to say that in the Night Sisters trilogy, what what at the start 
could have been a Dooku arc suddenly evolved into a Ventress and a Sabajo press arc, and I think that was exactly that was that was a a thought. I would almost argue with that is that it, it, the arc itself suddenly became. Uh, a new storyline that was developed for Sabajo Press and Ventress, rather than actually taking Dooku, a, a, a fascinating character, and and really examining him in particular, and also the the, the um, limited appearances, particularly in season five, uh, has left me particularly soured by that because he only pops in, uh, particularly in seasons four and five, as as that hologram figure. Where, where all 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 the villains? Yeah. Are... <laughs> season two and season five really uh, like he's barely. Yeah, in season them. two he's not in he's it. He's in the the Mandalore trilogy and the and the the rebels stuff uh, on Andorra. But even then, five. not really involved. He's more hologram, isn't yeah. he? He's there telling people what to do in the yeah, background, exactly. which which I can understand more with Sidious, yeah, that... but I would like to see Dooku more at the forefront. Yeah, absolutely, and and those the you know the Night Sisters trilogy, you know it it did really give us a a glimpse into Dooku, and it's something that could have been developed more, maybe not in that arc because they wanted to do uh, Ventress, a, a Savage story, which is great. Mm. I mean, that was a great oh, yeah, yeah. storyline for the series. Um, but you know, we we got some glimpses in there, but we just. You know that we got finally got confirmation that he does want to overthrow Sidious, and we looked at a, uh, an interesting look at their his relationship with Sidious when Sidious told him to kill Ventress, and, and, and then with Savage Press and stuff. But at the same time, you know I, that was about it. And we could have had some more stuff, and again, uh, we know that Dooku is, is going to play some kind of role, or I think Dooku is going to play some kind of role in some of the upcoming mm. bonus content. So maybe we'll get some more looks at that, and who knows what they had planned for seasons six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten—you know, however many seasons they planned to go. I think eight yeah. was the number that they were going for. But uh, yeah, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Anakin and Obi Wan. We got some great banter in this arc, man. Lots of fun stuff. We really get to see Anakin and, and, and Obi-Wan as, as friends in this arc. And they're sort of teasing each other, you know, when Anakin loses his lightsaber and is being chased by the Gundark. And Obi-Wan is just kind of, you know, fiddling <laughs> with his lightsaber trying to get it to work. And they're just teasing each other. It was, it was definitely fun. a lot more a lot more banter between the two characters. And a, a master and apprentice relationship with Obi-Wan usually scolding Anakin and saying, Oh, what you, oh Anakin. Oh, one time, and he's, ne- he's never ceased to be happy with Anakin. But it was good to see that there's that, yeah. that friendship that Obi-Wan really alludes to in Episode Four. that's not really evidenced, I would argue, in, in the prequels themselves. And we really want to see a bit more of that. Uh, and, and I'd argue that it's, it's, it's also quite limited in the Clone Wars, but there's definitely a lot more of it than in the in the films. So it's good to see how the interaction between Obi-Wan and Anakin is certainly of a friendly manner. It was very funny to see as well. And it, it would be nice to see that it was, it was, yeah, it was nice to see that. It'd be nice to see more of it. Um, and you could really see how there was more of a brotherly connection almost, a bit of playful banter between the two characters. And it certainly was one of the reasons why I became a lot more in favour of this arc when I was re-watching the, re-watching the episodes. Um, and you seem to have echoed those thoughts as well, Dominic. 
Oh yeah, definitely. It was <laughs> those two together in this arc was just hilarious. And then you throw in a, a third element, you know, a Dooku, and it's just perfect. <laughs> you know, you have these guys that you know they don't really like each other. You know, there's that little bit of tension between Anakin and Obi Wan, and then of course there's you know the hatred Anakin has for Dooku, and then the you know, I would say Obi-Wan is really not a fan of, of Dooku mm. either, you know? Um, although I don't think Obi-Wan would go as far as hate. Maybe he just sort of disapproves and dislikes mm. Dooku. And they have this great banter and they have to, ha- seeing them have to work together and just constantly taunting each other. And, oh, it's just brilliant. And I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about quotes <laughs> at the end of the episode. I thought uh, you'd do. Yeah. Dooku, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, you could see particularly the polarization of the of the positions from the from the beginning of the arc till the middle and the end. I mean, at the beginning of the arc, it was the old classic villain v heroes episode two esque when Obi-Wan and Anakin both storm in and, yeah. and Dooku's sitting there and you're like, oh, you know, you're you're buzzing for a fight between the three characters. And then later they're all tied up and they're right next to each other in in the beginning of the of the second episode, and they're stuck with each other. And you can almost see an evolving relationship yeah. there, and you can definitely see the, the different interactions that Dooku has with Anakin and Obi-Wan. With Anakin, it's just pure hatred, animosity between uh, Dooku and Anakin. Anakin, he, later on, I hope I'm not stealing the quote, he says, it's time to lose the dead weight. He, he, he wants to, you know, he really wants to hurt Dooku for almost revenge for cutting off his arm. Whereas Obi-Wan's a lot more, I wouldn't say... Well, perhaps respectful of Dooku, because there's that relation there with Qui-Gon, uh, both having common, really. And yeah, do you think do you think Obi-Wan and Dooku have a connection like that? Just because of because of I think they Qui-Gon? both have deep reverence for Qui-Gon, and that's the common thread between them. I, I I have to admit I haven't read the whole book of Episode Three, but I do know a particular uh, scene in the book or a chapter in the book where it's Dooku talking with Palpatine on the on the shuttle and it, it really doesn't want to kill Obi-Wan or hurt him really. He, he, he tries to convince Palpatine that Obi-Wan should be the one uh, to take to, to turn to the dark side really. And so he can see that there's, there is something between the two characters. And, I, and in a way in episode two, when yeah. they're in the, when Obi-Wan's basically in his cell and Dooku walks in and talks to him, he tries to persuade Obi-Wan there and they both, clearly have different views yeah. of Qui-Gon, but he's there, he's a common thread. And I think it's something, a particular person that both respect, even though Dooku has turned to the dark side, he is still a figure that is respected. And I think that's why there's a lot less animosity animosity between the, between the two characters. And it's most illustrated when uh, Obi-Wan actually saves Dooku and uh, doesn't let him fall to his death. Yeah, yeah, it's it was a a very interesting uh, a moment there where where Dooku or Obi Wan saves Dooku. I mean, we know Dooku has to survive. He's in Episode Three, blah 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 blah. But it was you know there was that moment of oh my god he's falling. How yeah. is he going to survive? And it was Obi Wan the one to save him. Um, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the Republic. You know. The Republic in this episode really compromises their principles when they start dealing with the pirates. And this isn't the first time that we've even seen them doing that in this series. 
Um, they did that, of course, in the Clone Wars film when they were negotiating mm. with Jabba the Hutt. And so, you know, Yoda says in episode two about the Jedi Order that, you know, they're blinded, that they're reckless now, they're sort of losing their way. And it's kind of the same thing that's happening with the Republic here. I mean, granted, the Republic is being ruled by a Sith Lord. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's people in there like Padme and, and Bale and, and good people that are compromising their morals in, in situations like that. Even, you know, Yoda, Jar Jar, <laughs> Mace, mm. you know, good people. Um, and so they're, they're really, you know, they're really not doing themselves any favors by negotiating with these guys. And so I, I want to know what you thought of that, like. What do you think about the Republic continuing to deal with the, the well, the relations particularly with the pirates is very interesting, particularly when you see in the, uh, the second half of the, the, of the first episode in this arc and Mace Windu and Yoda tell Anakin and Obi-Wan that they're to arrive there unarmed. And there's this clear apprehension about, about this fact by Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, that, that is basically made clear. And, it seems that the Jedi are so obsessed to achieving their goals in order to capture Dooku by any means necessary, even if it means you have to go in there unarmed to pirates that they really don't know a lot about or, as you said, have really dealt with before. And it seems a very perilous situation, yet they're prepared to send two Jedi in unarmed. And then you almost feel like, not quite karma, but the fact that they... That they did that they put that into practice was one of the reasons why they got captured they wouldn't have been captured otherwise and so it was, it was definitely interesting to see how the republic now is, is definitely dealing with these criminal underworlds and that, that really is being advocated of arguing more by chancellor palpatine but the jedi are certainly being brought into this and it's being introduced as a method now um, that in order to win this war they're going to have to rely on the third party and and really it's two sides the republic and the separatists who are fighting for the support of of the third element which i would argue is the bounty hunters the scoundrel um the people who are really not loyal to any particular side so they have the uh republican separatists have to try and get them on board by any means necessary yeah yeah and it's it's a very interesting conundrum for them to be in and it's uh you kind of wonder if they made the wrong decision and if, you know, they kind of deserve mm. their fate in, in Revenge of the Sith if they're willing to continue sacrificing their morals like that. Uh, not that... I don't know. I don't really I don't really mm. think that. Um, no, I understand but, where you're you know, coming from. It is a... Yeah, they're kind of messing themselves... Shooting themselves in the foot is really... Uh, what's going on? Let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Jar Jar. Uh, you know, usually I am the first in line to defend Jar Jar. I love him in episode one, love him in most of the Clone Wars stuff. And this is the one time where I can't really come up with a good <laughs> defense for him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about his voice in a second, but he, in this, ep in this arc, he causes the death of the uh, old Senator Karos there and, uh, and a couple of clone troopers, you know, all because he, you know, couldn't sit down and do up his seatbelt. 
he got so clumsy and he was messing around so much that you know he, he caused the death of people and it's really uh you know there's, there's no defense of that i can't really defend jar jar i mean yes we know he's clumsy and this is one of those times where you can really understand why he would be banned from Ultragunga. <laughs> but if it, it seems like his character has suddenly regressed. Bearing in mind, more recently, what we've seen in the episode Supply Lines, where he really used his goofballness to his advantage, his political advantage. And you could see there, if you yeah. were watching at that point, thinking that Jar Jar is evolving now into a, a very interesting and not really in a net character anymore, uh, he is actually becoming a very important character into the Star Wars universe uh, and, and, and involved in the Senate as well. But then it comes to this arc, and all of a sudden, you know, he's back to his goofballness in Episode 1 again. As you said, he's, he can't do up his seatbelt. He's going, you know, he's just running around the ship, and then he's pushing buttons that he shouldn't be pressing. And you, I understand that the writers are trying to get it for comedic effect, but... In, in reality, if you're looking for character development, there really is is none. Therefore, uh, you you would be argue at the start of this episode, you you could really place episode one Jar Jar in, in this episode, and there would be no difference apart from the voice, which we'll get onto later. But yeah, but I, I completely yeah. agree with you there that his goofballness has really, really led to led to the death of Karos, and it's it's not really. What as the view as we as the viewers would be expecting from Jar Jar at this point, and it is it it really then adds to more frustration if if, if the Clone Wars team are trying to uh, get away from the black backlash of Jar Jar, then doing episodes like this isn't really helping their cause, particularly when we see he has evolved already when we look at this chronologically. Um, so I, I would completely agree with you, your view there, Dominic. I don't know if you had anything else to add on that. Yeah, and you know, I, I do kind of think that in the later seasons and, and or later episodes chronologically, he does kind of, you know, get back to you know being more of a, for lack of a better term, serious character when we see him in you know season four. Uh, and he's, you know, dealing with General Grievous. You know, he doesn't go running in to deal with General Grievous by himself. He calls in for help from Anakin and Padme and, and all that stuff. So, you know, he does kind of grow up, but this was really, a, I think, a bit of a misstep for Jar Jar. And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully this was just him slipping back into some bad habits and he'll he'll shake them by the next time. Yeah, that's what him, I'm you know? hoping for, really. <laughs> Uh, well, at the time, that's what I was hoping for because it definitely seemed to be that the character was really regressing and that's what we not really want We want to see about Jar Jar. We know in episode two that he's not the same character as he was ten years ago in the Battle of Naboo. He was a senator. He, he seemed yeah. a lot more sophisticated now, uh, a lot less clumsy. I'm not saying that his whole character and his characteristics of the character... <clears throat> say that 10 times um have actually uh changed fundamentally 100 percent. but there was certainly evolution development growth of the character and now it seems that as i said there's nothing really that you can distinguish between the character in this episode in this arc sorry and the character in episode one and that's really what i feel has led to again more backlash with his arc and and that amplified with 
the voice, which we'll get onto in a little bit, did not really help this arc when when we were talking about first impressions. It's, it's one of the things that stands out negatively in this arc, unfortunately. Um, although, I'll ask you this, Dominic, do you think that from Senator Karras' death, that his character does begin to evolve? I would like to think so. I think that, you know, he had sort of just been evolving naturally by just being around people by, like, Padme and, and Bail Organa and 3PO, uh, just by being around them up until this point. And then, you know, when he's not around someone that he's very comfortable with, you know, someone like Senator Karos, who, you know, he seems to have a great deal of respect for, but, you know, he may have just made a mistake and regressed back into his former self, and he, you know, he was quite clearly, you know upset by what happened, you know, when he he sees Senator Carlos is dead and all that. So you, you kind of hope that he learned from this and that he's going to move on. You kind of see in the next arc that we have with Jar Jar, which is the blue shadow virus <laughs> stuff, that he's still kind of regressed a little bit. But like I said, by the time you get to um, uh, Shadow Warrior and, and the stuff in, in Season 4... He has clearly sort of gone back to evolving. You know, he's not about to run into things uh, without help. You know, he calls for Anakin and Padme to help him come deal with the uh, Richelieu, the uh, the Gungan with the possessed magic <laughs> uh, thingy, and then uh, and then, you know he's quick to go to their aid with the help of Boss Leone in, in the Moncala arc, and so there's you know there's quite clearly some some growth and we'll see hopefully in the the bonus content uh you know there's that rumored arc uh, about jar jar and mace on, on an adventure together uh, <laughs> which uh if, is, assuming that turns out to be true which at this point uh there's no indication that it's not true <laughs> um i think that will sort of you know that will be jar jar's swan song and it will hopefully um you know stick on this tr- forward trajectory with them and we'll go as far as they can now to redeeming him before he's, you know, put on the shelf for the next. <laughs> I know. Long Hopefully, uh, if, if that rumored arc is, is to come into fruition, that it, it would be again, the Jar Jar that we see in season four and not the Jar Jar in season one. I'm, I'm sure the Clone Wars team would have recognized by now that that was not the Jar Jar that the fans were particularly uh, happy with. And so uh, that, that actually would be quite an interesting arc, I have to say, just to see those two characters, really polar opposite characters. Uh, Mace Wind is a very, very serious Jedi, uh, not not as much as, say, Obi-Wan or Anakin, who are more bantiful, I would argue. So that would be, uh, that would be definitely an interesting yeah. arc if that, was to, if that was to actually come out. Yeah, and I, I think that... that... It's pretty close to being confirmed that that's part of the the stuff, and not to get into a co- bonus content speculation, but that arc sounds like you know the ultimate buddy <laughs> cop movie. You know, you have the ultimate straight man in Mace Windu against the ultimate goofball <laughs> in Jar Jar, and um, it's a recipe for comedic genius. I have to say, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, that is assuming that Jar Jar is played by Ahmed Best and not. By one Mr. B.J. Hughes, who played um, Jar Jar in this arc and in a future arc, uh, which is the Blue Shadow Virus, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, um, 
so BJ Hughes is Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> what do I think? think? Wow. <laughs> uh, oh, I love this character. Not. Um, <laughs> when it came to the voice of BJ Hughes, <laughs> I remember watching it for the first time on on preview of this uh, Gungan General episode, and immediately I thought to myself, "This doesn't sound like Armor Best," but. Well, I just thought maybe it was just me. Maybe it was just a preview, yeah. um, or something. You know, something going wrong. And then when it came to the actual episode, I was like, "This is not my best. What is going on here?" Uh, as if his <laughs> antics weren't bad enough. Then to compound that, uh, they have to add uh, B.J. Hughes. Who B.J. Hughes? Now, right, this is a good question. Who is B.J. Hughes? Because there's been so much real <laughs> controversy uh, and debate amongst fans. This is actually becoming to quite a, a significant debate now as to who BJ Hugh is. And, and now we start laughing about it now, but I'm sure at the time he, <laughs> not many fans were particularly happy about that and probably thinking, who is BJ Hughes? I'm going to write some angry letters. Um, and I think possibly upon <laughs> hearing that, Lucasfilm <laughs> probably decided that uh, I, I argue that someone... In, in the actual Lucasfilm team or Clone Wars team probably voiced his character, they probably thought it's best that this person doesn't come out and say who it is. And so we're just going to pretend that it's just, we don't know who BJ yeah. Hugh is. He's not, he's not even on IMDb. So uh, if he's not on there, then I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. I think that the, I think that the person who played BJ Hughes is the same person who played. Emma. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> being a, one, Mr. Dave Filoni. No, I, I don't know. Like like you said, I think they probably realized that whoever this B.J. Hughes person was, um, you know, if the, that they're not working out, and if they're going to do more Jar Jar episodes, then they darn well better get Ahmed Best yeah, exactly. back in there. <laughs> I think that's probably um, why he wasn't involved in season two. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it, B.J. Hughes or Jar Jar. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, in one of the previous recordings of this episode, um, you brought up an, an interesting theory about why Senator Karos was sent on this mission. And, uh, well, I, I want to ask you to, to repeat that. Yeah, no problem. It was, uh, it was definitely one that I, I put a star by that I did want to talk about again. And that, and that Senator Palpatine, <laughs> in the scene... In the in the Chancellor's office scene, when they're talking with Hondo, all the all the Jedi and Padme, um, it, it's quite obvious that Palpatine is making excuses, saying that this Dooku, it's not Dooku, despite the fact that there's a hologram of him and there's a lightsaber, it's not Dooku, it's not, you know, it's not every every other every other person yeah. <laughs> in that room is like that's Dooku, no, it's not, no, it's not, it's not Dooku. So to to kind of counter this. Palpatine's in a very difficult situation. I think it's one of the first times that we really see Palpatine intervening because this is definitely not in the plan. Dooku was not meant to be captured by pirates. And again, the, this third element that we're talking about here is definitely uh, an ambiguous point for for the Sith Lord when it came to his planning is that he can't control the bounty hunters and the scoundrel. So anyway, Dooku's been captured. And so he has to send right. two senators, and the two senators that he chooses are Jar Jar Binks and Senator Karras. And we've already talked about, uh, touched on Jar Jar Binks as uh, <laughs> the senator that's been sent, the goofballness, and we, you know how his characters regress. But on a serious note, um, remember in the, in the supply lines episode, Dominic, where we talked about uh, Bail Organa was ha- um, 
discussing with the Jedi about, you know, what, what, why send me? Senator Padme is fine if, on this diplomatic mission. And they go and say, it's Senator Binks who is going. And then it's suddenly like, okay, I understand now. <laughs> That's the best line that Obi-Wan delivered in the series. Representative <laughs> Binks. It's a much like, I don't know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think the word now. Uh, 101 spec basis. It's the one thing that you need to know if you're going to be part of the Senate. Uh, a senator, you have to know, don't send Jar Jar Binks on a diplomatic mission on his own. Have someone competent with them. Yeah. But linked on to that, actually. <laughs> so we have Senator Carroll. And on the surface, and I, when I first watched this, I thought, you know, this is a competent character, Senator Carroll, because he seems to know what he's talking about. He's the one who's communicating with the Chancellor and almost telling him, you know, go away, Jar Jar, I'm, I'm in the middle of a talk. But there was just one quote that stood out to me. And the quote was, I don't want to get it wrong, but he says, Last time I went on one of these ransom missions, I spent three weeks in a dungeon. So you start looking at that and you think, actually, is this Senator Karros the most competent senator to send on this mission? If he spent three weeks in a dungeon on a previous ransom? Bearing in mind, as we alluded to earlier, this is probably the most important task of the war, capturing the leader of the separatists in Duke. More important than Grievous or Ventress or any other senator like New Gungray. This is important. And he's sending really two inept senators. And my point that I wanted to make with this is that it's almost a scapegoat. If you send these two senators, even if the worst was to happen and they were to actually pay the ransom and the pirates would hand Dooku over, he would find some way of getting out of the situation, as he did when the, the lights went off and the power went out and he managed to escape. He, he knows that he has at least competency enough to do that. Yeah. So that was that was the reason I had behind. I thought it was just an intriguing point to make because it's something that I didn't notice the first time I watched this, and it would make a lot of sense for Senator Palpatine to send these two. It's not the same as sending a Padme or Bail Organa. Now, I'm not saying that the results would have been the same, but uh, there would have been a lot less, um, I guess, goofballness and uh, uh, the fact that this person spent three weeks in a dungeon. Again, you're looking at their resumes, and you're like, it's almost like they picked two names out of a hat. You know, which two senators are we going to choose for this mission? It's Jar Jar Binks and <laughs> Senator Carrots. You know, it's not, it's not really thought through. So that was the yeah, point I really. wanted to make. And I don't know if you had any comments on that uh, point that I made. Yeah, I, I, I love that theory. I think it, it's fantastic. You know, it's, you know, Palpatine, you know, clearly is bailing Dooku out in this situation by, by sending two incompetent senators. And it's not, it's something that's, you know, it's subtext. You know, it's not... Stated obvious, you don't have Palpatineo communicating with Dooku. I am sending the two worst senators, and they will mess everything up. And blah 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 blah. blah. You know, and so he sends these two, and you know, it's kind of hinted at that they're not the most competent. I mean, everybody knows Jar Jar is not the most competent, and anybody standing <laughs> next to Jar Jar will look like an extremely <laughs> competent negotiator. You know, you could send, you know, anybody. You could send Captain Kirk next to him, and they could, you know, negotiate things perfectly. Um, and so it's a it's it's a brilliant idea. I did I, something that never came to me. I, I love that theory, and I think it's a you know it's something we you know in a perfect world if we could ever get a chance to talk to Dave Filoni, it's something I would love to ask him about because it's a it's a great idea, and I I'd like to think that it's. I almost a, feel like I don't want to ask him in case thing. he says that was never intentional, but good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, if he did say that, if he did say that, you know, 
it, it would probably be one of those things where he'd, he'd, he'd hear it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. well, that is a good idea. <laughs> and then from that point on, anytime anybody asked, yes, of course, that was my idea. I thought of that. No, no, of course. Of course, Dave would not do that. Dave is, is far too humble to do something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, one last thing. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about the pirates. Um, you know, Hondo is not the nicest guy. We see him torturing the Jedi. So for as funny as he is, he is quite an, an evil character. He can be quite an evil character, but he's not quite as evil as his own pirates. As this is the first of uh, many times that we will see pir- Hondo's own pirates uh, rise up against him in the series. You know, it happens in this arc and it happens in season five. Okay, maybe it's the first of two times, but you know, it, it is something that happens multiple times. And I just thought it was interesting that they, that, 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 you know, it's the pirate life, I guess, to, it's very much like being a Sith Lord. You try and overthrow your master. No, I, d- I definitely have wrote that down as a question. If, if you weren't going to ask it is, is almost what does Turk Falso, uh, Hondo's aid really reveal to us about the pirate society? And what that really, in my mind reveals is that there's so much deceptiveness, backstabbing going on. It's almost like politics really, isn't it? Um, it's not much different from the Republic in the, <laughs> in, in the Star Wars universe, really. There's so much uh, deception, spying, and uh, secret negotiations taking place. And it really does illustrate the pirate society. And we see that later, uh, as you allude to later with the Season 5, uh, particularly Revival, uh, that episode there, when they quickly turn on their leader by the click of a finger, really. So... It is interesting to see how that works. I think it makes this in, this arc again more interesting when something that I didn't really examine anything. Oh, this is this is a good part of the episode, but it is actually because it, it adds another dimension to it uh, that you have these pirates who aren't just loyal to Hondo that they're prepared to even lie about him, saying that uh, in order to get the spies, he states that the Republic attempted to ambush. So get the tanks out. Um, it really is interesting to see how that pirate yeah. society works. And I don't, what, what are your thoughts be on that, Dominic? Uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. You know, it's, it kind of mirrors what's going on with the Sith, you know, how they, you know, always trying to overthrow their master. Um, although, you know, the pirates don't seem to have the same resolve as, you know, the Sith who are willing to, you know, fight and kill their master, you know. Um, and then die for it if they can't. Whereas, you know, <laughs> the, the pirates, you know, oh, it didn't work out? Okay, all right, we're back in your gang, Hondo. Sorry, yeah. you know, sorry we messed up. <laughs> it definitely seems that way, really. And um, But it is still an interesting part of the episode, I think. That, that's what really elevates the status of pirates, and, and it really conveys that they have no loyalty, not even amongst themselves as divisions uh, within the camps. They don't trust anyone, really. Yeah. They're almost just like a tribe. Uh, so it, it is very interesting to see how that relationship works and it definitely reveals uh, a bit more depth about pirates in general because it's not really touched upon in the films. We see them, but we don't really see their culture. And, of course, this is the first time we see their home planet in Florham. So it was definitely a part of the episode that yeah. was very, very, very uh, good to see, really. A uh, bit of in-depth knowledge about the pirate community. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, do you have a? Do you have uh, I think you've answered quite a lot of my points. I suppose um, we could 
touch a little bit about the minor role of Ahsoka. It's not much to say, but we can just mention that she was there. Uh, I did actually think in my mind, I don't know what your point was on this, that there seemed to be quite a lot of actual uh, allusions to the Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka-Anakin relationship. There's a lot of similarities in how Ahsoka's really... the. I'll try and say this as clearly as I can, but Ahsoka is like the Padawan of Obi-Wan because she is like Anakin. And then uh, Anakin to Ahsoka is like Obi-Wan to Anakin. If you see where I'm going with this, I can see there's similarities. Uh, I'm not really saying it clearly, but basically Ahsoka is taking on a lot of characteristics from her master, really. That's kind of what I'm getting the impression of, how she was like, you let him get away, always asking him these kind of snippy questions uh about his about his methods and his uh yeah. achievements yeah. yeah it's one of those things that, you know, i think it just kind of speaks to how unique their relationship is as jedi you know they're you know a more respectful padawan learner would just sort of you know not say anything you know what happened Oh, he got away. That's too bad. You know, something like mm-hmm. that. You know, someone like Barris to Luminar, uh, yeah. at least in <laughs> season two, Barris to, to Luminar would have been something like that. Um, whereas, you know, Ahsoka to Anakin is, oh, you let him get away. Come on. You know, um, even Anakin to Obi-Wan might have been a, a bit more, you know, oh, you let him get away kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin is very much like, pairing two of the same person together in many ways, whereas Anakin and Obi-Wan were a lot more mm. sort of putting two opposites together. So it's, it's an interesting, you know, look at how, uh, how they respond to their masters based. Yeah, on, I completely you know, agree with that. Types. that. That was kind of the impression I was getting. I just wanted to make a little comment on it, really. Uh, as, as I said, uh, Ahsoka's role was very minor in this arc, but I, oh, it's just good just to touch on her, really. And she is one of the, continuous threads throughout the series yeah one of the main characters most important characters all right uh let's move on to uh favorite quotes favorite quotes quotes i do indeed i'll let you go first though because i have a few here i bet you are thinking the same thing as me (laughs) there's so many quotes i have here that um i'll have to narrow it down to one i'm going to try my best this time because i'm usually doing about three and that's kind of cheating so i will try and just narrow it to the one you got all right well i've got two i've, I've got two so if you want to do two you can do two okay, well. i've got one for me to each episode so from let's see from uh dooku captured i have a little interaction between dooku and obi-wan where uh dooku says uh, about the pirates, they are devious and deceitful, and most importantly, stupid. And to which Obi Wan replies, "It's a wonder you don't get along with them so well, Duke. Who <laughs> you have so much fun. in common." Um, I just love that moment. Great moment of of banter between Anakin or not Anakin, Obi Wan and Dooku. And then from the second episode, uh, classic Hondo line where he says, "As my sweet mother always said, son, if one hostage is good." Two are better and three. Well, that's just good business. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got two. I will, I will go with. Um, All right. I'll start with the Dooku captured line, and there was so much in a way of banter between Obi Wan and Anakin. But I'll choose one of those scenarios, and that was when they're in the cave, and uh, 
the rocks, basically Obi-Wan's just thrown a rock and the Gundark's flown, basically just gone right across the cave. And he goes, <laughs> Anakin says, it was a pity. I was just started to sense a connection. And then Obi-Wan replies, should I leave you two alone? And I just like that little bit of answer there. Just like, oh, gosh. You know, Anakin and Obi-Wan. That's, that's, that would really typify the banter between it. the two. And then for the Gungan General, I decided to go for uh, just this one because it makes me laugh. Um, when uh, Palpatine is talking to Senator Carroll at the beginning and then Jar Jar Binks comes in and says, Howdy old Chancellor, needs to have a question. And then he's just like, in a moment, Representative <laughs> Binks. Like, no, we're not having a talk now. Go away. Oh. That's never going to happen. I, I would like to see, though, if there was a conversation <laughs> later between the two. <laughs> like, calls back. Yeah, oh, man. Well, it'll be yeah, something like exactly. a conversation something between Jar Jar and Mace. <laughs> Who's this? Who's this? Oh, Jar Binks. Oh, man. Uh, busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, with that, go uh, with I think we are going to wrap it up. I want to ask you for your final thoughts and final uh, score, out score out of 10. Right. I'm going to go with. Seven out of ten. A couple of reasons why it's not higher than that is we, we we alluded to some of the problems earlier, particularly the fact that at the beginning of the episode it was a bit ambiguous as to how they got into these particular situations and Jar Jar Binks and BJ Hughes, and also because we see later episodes, in my opinion, which are better than this particular arc. But I still think there were so much good bits, and I genuinely thought that. Uh, first impressions of this would have been a lot lower than 7 out of 10 so I'm, I'm actually giving it quite a good mark in my opinion uh, great bits great banter between Obi-Wan, Dooku and Anakin it, it really was fantastic to see them they're stuck in a situation they can't get out and they have to deal with each other so it was great to see the interaction between those first introduction of Hondo and on hindsight that in my opinion elevates this episode because it's good to see a recurring character that is not always the case in the Clone Wars. We get to see the origin in the first episode that he actually appears in. And furthermore into this, I thought animation was fantastic. I thought there's a vast improvement. Uh, we haven't quite gotten to the Joel Aaron animation that we see in later seasons, but I still thought there were some vast improvements. And I was uh, particularly surprised, particularly the planets of Vancor and Florum. And I'm going to label my best moment of the episode, in my opinion, was that was the scene where Anakin, Dooku, and Obi-Wan are running out, and Anakin grabs the pole, and they try and pole vault over the wall, and it ends in absolute disaster. But I just thought it was a great, great minute there of just fantastic banter and, and comedy there. So I'll leave it over to you now, Dominic. Your favorite moments and your rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh, so much good stuff. I, 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 for favorite moment, I just got to go with Anakin, Dooku, and Obi-Wan in a cell together. It was just fantastic. So much great banter, so much humor, and so much tension. It was really quite good. Um, for me, I'm going to give the arc a, a 7 out of 10 as well, uh, mainly for the same reasons that you, you did. You know, we know what's coming up ahead, and... Uh, and then, of course, the, the issue with, with Jar Jar causing someone's death, I, I didn't really like that. Um, but other than that, you know, it's a fantastic arc. I might, I might, I might elevate my score to a 7.5 because there's so much good comedy, so much fun that's going on. 
and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would on, on repeat viewing. Um, so, I want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget, you can listen to this show every other Tuesday from now on. I promise we are back. Um, no more excuses. The dog will not eat our microphones. I promise. Um, hopefully, we can keep up on this next time. We will be back to discuss um, Jedi Crash, Defenders of Peace, and Trespass. Uh, it'll be uh, some good stuff. Lots of Ahsoka, lots of Ala Secura. Uh, be interesting. If you want to let, let us know your opinion on those episodes or on these episodes or on what we said during uh, the episodes, you can email us at clonewarsstrikesback at gmail.com. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash clonewarsstrikesback, or just search the Clone Wars Strike ba- Strikes Back. Um, and be sure to like us there. Uh, or you can tweet us at TCW Strikes Back. Also, you can uh, make sure also make sure to follow us there. Uh, subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld podcast feed on iTunes. That way you'll never miss an episode of this show or the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is every week, Thursday nights at 9 p.m. recorded live on Channel 1138 or the following Friday on iTunes. Uh, we discuss all kinds of fun stuff, Clo- uh, Episode 7 news, Rebels news, video games news, Clone Wars news. We had some news about the bonus content. Lucky for our lucky friends in Germany get to see these episodes again, or get to see those episodes sooner, uh, starting in February, Feb 15th uh, on Super RTL. We are super jealous of all of you. Um, and you can keep finding out when, Clo- when Clone Wars uh, will be airing around the world and all the other Star Wars news by hitting heading to StarWarsUnderworld.com for the latest breaking Star Wars news. And, of course, we might, and uh, also we might have some announcements for how you can listen to this show live in the coming weeks, so stick to our Facebook page and our Twitter account for that kind of stuff. So, thank you everybody for listening, and may the Force be with you.